This morning in the book of Acts, chapter 12, verses 24 and 25, turn there, please, in your Bibles. In Acts 12, 24 to 25, the sermon is titled, The Word, the Work, and the Workers. The Word, the Work, and the Workers. These two verses pack a lot of truth. These two verses teach us about the word, about the work, and about the workers. Specifically, the two verses teach us about the word of God, the work of God, and the workers for God. Listen to these two verses. Hear the word of God, Acts 12, 24, and 25. We're jumping in right after King Herod Antipas was eaten alive by worms five days after he accepted worship as he gave a speech. That's the previous verse, what that was covering, that that true story. Then we jump in at verse uh, 24 and verse 25. But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. And so as I've prefaced already, God the Holy Spirit, when summarizing an extremely action-packed chapter 12 of Acts, chooses to summarize that action-packed chapter with something about the Word of God, something about the work of God, and something about the workers for God. We're going to take these two verses in two sermons. Today, we're just going to look at what the verses say about the Word of God and the work of God. And if God spares life, we'll take up next Sunday what these verses say about the workers for God. And so the first point in this message is this. The inspired Word of God is living. Say that with me. The inspired Word of God is living. Verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. The word of God is living, so it grew in that context. And it multiplied in that context. And so I wonder, as a preacher of God's word, as a Christian who's governed by God's word, I just wonder, is God's word living in me? You might ask the same question. Is the living word of God living in you? Is the Savior happy that his word is being multiplied in me and through me? You might ask the same question. Is the Savior pleased that the living word of God is multiplying in me, you would ask, and through me, you would ask? Best always to put ourselves under the word of God and then put ourselves in the word of God and then live according to the word of God. And as you would know as good students of the Bible that in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, we're told some other things that God's word does because it's living. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner 
of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is living, it grew, it multiplied, and then Hebrews tells us that it pierces the reader and it discerns for the reader the thoughts and intentions of the reader of the Bible. It did that in New Testament times. It does that as I preach right now, and it will do that in the future because it's a living word of God. Because it's living, it grows in effect, it multiplies, it pierces, and it reveals real thoughts, plans, and motives for the one who would read it. My father-in-law, Beth's daddy, he would say to his congregation, when you read God's word, don't you just want to touch the ink to see if it's still wet? It's fresh. It's relevant. It's needed. It's wonderful. Don't you just want to touch the page of scripture you're reading to see if the ink is still wet? And so the inspired word of God is living. It's not inanimate. It's not dead. It's not static. It's not dusty and inactive and impotent. It is living, a living word. And we know that our God wants us to know that the word is living because when you see the end of chapter 12 that had a martyrdom, had an angel jailbreak of Peter, had a prayer meeting that was embarrassing because they didn't believe God would get Peter out of jail, that action-packed chapter God the Holy Spirit chooses to summarize that chapter with something about the living word of God. But the word, for 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. You know why God wants Calvary Bible Church to understand that the word of God is living so that we'll taste and see for ourselves and trust it, build our lives on it, bank our eternity on it, share it with those we know, teach it to those in this assembly who are in Sunday school classes and junior church. God wants us to know that his word is a living word so that we will trust it, so that we will taste it. I ran across some interesting things that I hope you find interesting. Did you know that it takes 51 hours of straight reading to read through the whole Bible? 51 hours. It takes 39 and a half hours to read through the whole Old Testament in one sitting. It takes 11 and a half hours to read through the whole New Testament. It takes 160 minutes, two hours, 40 minutes, to read the whole book of Genesis. It takes 36 minutes to read the book of Romans. That means that if we are to take nine minutes a day or one hour a week, we would read through the whole Bible in less than a year. Nine minutes a day of reading, one hour a week of reading. It's amazing. 
And the inspired word of God, which is living, the word that God wants us to trust and the word that God wants us to taste in 2023 is accessible. We have it in printed Bible form. We have it on uh, digital media. We have it, we can listen to it while we're driving or putting our makeup on or shaving or whatever we might be doing. There's so many ways we can put those nine minutes in in order to read through the whole of God's word that's a living word in this calendar year. We have no excuses. We have audible recordings for those whose eyesight is too poor to read even a large print Bible. It's accessible to us. And because it is, we must thank God that it's living and taste it and trust it this year. And again, we put ourselves under the living word. We never pass judgment on the word of God. We let the word of God pass judgment on us. We put ourselves under the living word. Then we are in the living word for ourselves. You're not just waiting for me to expound a passage of scripture Sunday by Sunday, but between the Sundays, you are in the word of God, reading it. We put ourselves under the living word, we put ourselves in the living word, and we govern our lives according to the living word of God. That's our first point in these last two verses of chapter 12, that the inspired word of God is living. The second point today is not a point about the word of God, it's a point about the work of God. And it makes sense in the logic of this that the word of God would be spoken of first and then the work of God would be spoken second because the work of God is defined by the word of God. What we are to do as a church is defined by the word of God. What you are to do this week by virtue of good deeds that God's prepared beforehand that you should walk in is sculpted, shaped, governed, directed by the word of God, the living word of God. And so the second point is that ministry missions can and should be completed. Say that with me. Ministry missions can and should be completed. I see that in the first part of verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, watch, when they had fulfilled their ministry. They returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled, completed their ministry. Back then, at the time that chapter 12 captures the action of the day, back then there was still a great big wide world to reach for Christ. But it's interesting that the first part of verse 25 says, relative to Barnabas and Saul at least, that what they did what God wanted them to do in their ministry. They fulfilled it. They completed it. They didn't leave it incomplete. They returned from Jerusalem, it says, when they had fulfilled their ministry. Now, it's worth noting that by the time the action of Acts chapter 12 had completed, there were certain Christian workers, Barnabas, and Saul, namely, who had finished their particular stage of God's work that God had delineated, identified, chosen for them to do. Finished, at least that stage. Fulfilled, at least that part of it. Completed, at least that installment of it. That ought to really encourage us. 
Because specific ministry missions that God has assigned for each of you who know Christ as Lord and Savior, certain missions that God has for you can be completed such that you know that they're completed. (laughs) That's encouraging. But you know, if certain segments of the good work that God wants you to do individually can be discerned when you've completed them, the flip side of that coin is you can also discern when you've left them incomplete. So on the one hand, that a certain aspect or stage of God's work founded on his living word for each one of us and for us corporately as a church, it's great encouragement that certain stages of that work can be knowingly finished. But even as there's encouragement in that, there's a warning in that, that we ought not to be satisfied with knowingly incomplete work. That we know what God wanted us to do and knowingly, casually, flippantly, distractedly, we just are content that it's not complete. God says he doesn't like that. In Revelation 3, this word is given to the ancient church in Sardis. Revelation 3, 1 to 6. And the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. That's the risen, glorified Lord Jesus Christ. This is now his quoting of Jesus' words to the church at Sardis. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works Perfect, it renders here in the New King James Version, perfect in the sense of done or completed. Let me read it that way. Jesus said to the church at ancient Sardis, I have not found your works completed before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before the angels. So in this warning, a timeless warning, really. It was a warning historically to a local church in Sardis, but it has timeless application to Calvary Bible Church. In this warning, the concept of believers in the church being dead is referenced in verse one. I know your works, so they were busy. I know your works, that you have a name, you are alive, but you are dead. That is spiritually dead. That is Ephesians 2, 1. But you were once dead in trespasses and sins. In our church, in any church, there are some people who are not yet regenerate. They are not saved yet. They are not born again. And if that's you this morning, I'm glad you're here. And I invite you to trust the Savior that we have trusted for forgiveness of sins in heaven one day. Sardis had dead 
person spiritually in it, and maybe Calvary Bible Church does as well. That's a warning. The second thing that was said to the ancient church at Sardis, and by extension to Calvary Bible Church Nassau, is that there were things ready to die. Sardis had certain ministry activities that were ready to die. Any church, including this one, can be in that situation of having certain ministries that are ready to die, except we watch for them, except we revive them, except we populate them with workers. And so Sardis has warned their dead people among you. Some things that are among you that you're doing are ready to die. And then in verse two, the warning is, I have not found your works complete. Verse two, be watchful. And strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Watch. For I have not found your works complete before God. God doesn't like incomplete works when it's in our power to complete them. It is a sobering call of God to any local church and to our church in particular when we have incomplete works. And God says to Sardis and God says to Calvary Bible, check and see if you got any phony Christians that are spiritually dead. And then he says, wake up. Spiritually, wake up and strengthen what is left in your local church. The last two and a half years for all of us have been odd and difficult. Seminary, honestly, seminary never taught me how to a pastor a church that essentially would be shut down for two and a half years except the morning service due to a global pandemic. And the whole CBC leadership team of pastors and deacons, as we've sought to lead the church under the leadership of Christ in these two and a half years, these weird and odd two and a half years, all of the leaders have been doing their best in uncharted waters. It's still weird today. I mean, two and a half years down the road with this, we don't know if we're supposed to shake hands, fist bump, hug, Step backwards, wear a mask, not wear a mask. It's still weird. And I'm sure, as your pastor who loves you, I'm sure that as weird and odd and awkward as it's been for me and for the leadership team, it's been weird and odd and awkward for each of you, precious people. Ministries closing or closed. Ministries reopening at not full speed. My heart goes out to you, my family. It's not been easy, and it still isn't easy. And when the ministries have closed that are closed, or the ministries that are still closed that will be reopening, you must sit there and scratch your head and ask, how exactly do you... How exactly am I to serve Christ? What am I to do? And my heart goes out to you. 
And that's where the living word of God can help us. Whether we're the pastor of this church or the pastors of this church or the deacons of this church or the people, the brothers and sisters of this church, the word of God can help us with all this oddity and difficulty and weirdness. I believe and pray that we are on the tail end of COVID. And what would the word of God say to us at the tail end of a global pandemic? That we as a church would not be dead, that we would not be dull, that we would not be delayed in completing the work that God has set before us as a church. Well, I think there's four things that we can see from the word of God that we are to be about. They're simple things, but they make a difference. Number one, we are to attend this church. We are to show up. We are to attend this church in person. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching, end of quote. The first thing the word of God calls us to do after an odd, weird, and awkward time of global pandemic is to attend the church like you've done this morning. Come out in person. COVID, in my opinion, was about divide and conquer but Christ is about unite and congregate. And so we're told to attend this church in person. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Christ's return is approaching the day. The second thing we can do based on the scriptures is to lead. Now I'm speaking to me and the pastors principally when I say what is to happen is that the leaders are to lead. Leaders lead. In Hebrews 13, 17, it says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. Guess what? The people of God in the church of God can only obey the leaders of God if the leaders of God are leading. A mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. So the leaders are to lead. Pray for us. They will lead. According to the word of God, the living word of God. Number three, not only attend, not only lead, but equip. That's also principally the responsibility, the work of the leaders God has put in the church, principally the pastors, the elders. We are to equip you so you can serve Christ in this building and campus and beyond this building and campus in the world you live in. That's our responsibility as leaders as elders and pastors, to equip you to do the work of the ministry. 
Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 say, And he himself, Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor teachers, watch, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. When I stand before Jesus Christ, having been a pastor teacher, he is simply going to ask me, one thing he's going to ask me is, did you equip my people to do the works of the ministry? To the best of your ability, did you complete the task when you were a pastor teacher of equipping the saints to do the ministry? That's what Jesus is going to ask me about other things, among other things. And so all you would be required to do as God's people is be willing to be equipped, be teachable, be present, be eager to know the word of God that's living well enough so that you can live the word of God and minister the word of God wherever you go. So God would have all of us attend. God would have the leaders of this church lead. God would have the leaders of this church equip you to serve Christ. And fourth, for all of us, serve. Attend, lead, equip, and serve. Within our church, serve using your spiritual gift, given to you, endowed to you, entrusted to you at the points of your conversion by a sovereign, all-wise Savior. Serve. 1 Peter 4.10. As each one, that's key, as each one has received a spiritual gift, no Christian can say, I got left out of the spiritual gift endowment process. I don't have a spiritual gift. Wrong. You do. Your job is to find out what it is and to use it. My job and the elder's job is to help you find out what your spiritual gift and encourage you to use it. Serve within our local church using your particular spiritual gift. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a spiritual gift, minister it to one another. As good stewards, guardians of the manifold grace of God. You know, that's what happened on Wednesday night. There was a stage to demolish because it was unsafe. And the appeal went out by an e-blast, and 25 to 30 of you came and demolished the stage, put it nicely into the dumpster, and that job is done and dusted until we replace that stage with something better. Bravo. Bravo. And so, in a large measure, what should you do, how should you serve, is see what God brings before your face by way of opportunity. And when God brings a task before you and you see it, do it with your spiritual gift. I know many of you do that. It's wonderful. The best way to discover your spiritual gift is to trial and error do things in ministry in the church. When you sign up to do a ministry, you're not not necessarily signing up for life. You may be signing up long enough to know if that ministry requires a spiritual gift that you have or you don't have. What I like to say is when you serve in something and it's an hour, or rather five minutes seems like an hour, it requires a spiritual gift you don't have. But if you do a ministry, an hour seems like five minutes, then that ministry requires a spiritual gift that you do have. And how do you find it out? You Experiment. You answer calls and appeals for workers and 
with the mindset, well, this may be until I die, if it's using my spiritual gift, or it may be just for one or two opportunities to serve when I figure out it doesn't use, it does, my spiritual gift doesn't mesh with this ministry. And that's okay. Trial and error, experiment. But we are responsible. We are responsible to steward, to guard, to utilize, to engage with the spiritual gift we've been given. That's what 1 Peter 4.10 says. As each of you has received a spiritual gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Responsibly, pray to use your spiritual gift and see it as a gladsome duty a gladsome duty. So there are four biblical ways that we can crawl out of this two and a half year pandemic with all its oddities and awkwardness and uncharted waters that it was. We can crawl out of this thing together to the honor and praise of Jesus Christ, the head of the church, as we attend this church in person, as the leaders of this church lead the people of this church, as the leaders of this church equip the people of this church to do the works of the ministry, and as all of us serve with the spiritual gifts we respectively have been given. Now, I'm gonna say that there are some ministries, not a lot, that have restarted already. They still need some workers. There are other ministries I'm going to tell you about in this sermon that have not yet restarted, but part of how the elders will know if it's time to restart them is if we have a knowledge of who will work in them. Makes sense. So let's, let's move along. I have four responses that I would recommend to you as you've heard that the living word of God is inspired and living and that you've learned that some ministry missions and most ministry missions can be completed and they should be completed. So what are four things you could do about this? Number one, you could keep coming out on Sunday mornings in person and our brothers and sisters in Christ who otherwise are not impeded could start coming out again to attend Sunday morning worship in person. Number two, you could vote, I've got quotes on that. You, if you're in a small group, you could vote. Only two of our small groups meet in person, the rest meet by Zoom. You could vote if your uh, small group meets by Zoom. You could vote with your co-leaders of your small group and say, I'd like to meet in person. See what happens. I'd love to see all of our small groups meeting in person. None by Zoom. Tell us if you want your small group to meet in person instead of Zoom. Tell your co-leader or tell me. Number three, volunteer now, volunteer now for ministries that are already restarted that need workers or volunteer ahead of time for other ministries that we in the will of the Lord are going to restart. We need to know how many workers are interested in working in this particular ministry that we are planning and praying to restart. It's time for us all to get involved again. To step out of the awkwardness, the oddity, the weirdness of the pandemic, to get in the game again, all of us. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about ministries. I'll e-blast this list out this week. Ministries, some of which are already restarted that need volunteers. Ministries that we dearly want to restart that also need volunteers. You ready? 
junior and senior high youth workers. We have two faithful teachers on Sunday school mornings, and I'm grateful. But wouldn't it be good to have a midweek youth group again? We need workers. Would that be of interest to you? We need more small group leaders. Some of our small groups are too big because we don't have enough small group leaders. We need volunteers to say, I'll be a small group leader, and that'll help us reduce the size, the average size of our current small groups so that they're more meaningful, more intimate, more relational than they can be at the scale at which they're offered now. Or, by the way, 38% of the Sunday morning average attendance is in a small group. That's not high enough. 38% of those who come to a Sunday morning service are in a small group. I'd like that to be 88% or more. Media workers, we are grateful for our media workers. We need more. Some people on the team are working every single day, every Lord's Day, and they're not complaining. But it'd be nice to be training more media workers so there's a rotation. Would that be you? The principal thing that we need to start Cross Trainers Kids Ministry again is a commander. We need somebody to volunteer and say, I'll be the commander. And then we'll fill in the leaders. If you want to be the commander, let us know. If you're willing to be a cross-trainer leader, let us know. Operation Inasmuch, great team that serves over there every Wednesday morning. They could use more workers. Volunteer. Visitors for our shut-ins. My wife and a sister in Christ do some visiting with the shut-ins. They love it. There's a lot of shut-ins. If you love people that are on in years, you could volunteer. I'll visit some shut-ins. So important to let them know they're not forgotten. We're trying to start a break time between Sunday school and this service, and we've got one person who's volunteered. We're grateful for her, but we need a head of that ministry. Essentially, make sure we have cookies and tea and coffee. They're set out nicely in an appetizing way, and they're cleaned up. It's not that hard a job. We just need someone to volunteer. We've been asking for testimonies to put on the radio. You do know we have a radio program every Sunday. What a gift. 7.30, ZNS, uh, AM 1540. We've been asking for testimonies to be pre-recorded so we can have them on the radio. And we hardly got anyone. You all have a testimony. And if you have a cell phone, you can record it into your cell phone and we'll use it. Volunteer to give a testimony on the radio. It's really going to improve our radio program. And we need many more people who before God are volunteering to share their faith all the time. That's a volunteering that largely you make to God. It's between you and God. If you know enough to be saved, you know enough to be a witness. If you don't know all the answers, you just tell the person who asked the question, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll find out for you. As I say, this list that I've just gone through will be e-blasted tomorrow to everyone in the e-blast database. Pray over it. Ask the Lord who wrote the living word of God, who has identified certain ministry missions for each of us that can be discernibly completed, 
knowingly completed, ask that God, that Savior, that Holy Spirit, what on that list can I volunteer to do? Whether it's a ministry that's started or restarted or one that we want to restart, and we will judge if we can restart it by the number of workers that volunteer to do a future ministry. We'll also e-blast you the 23 ministries that have been retained, so you see all, of, all the ministries. We have some incomplete work to do. The Lord will help us complete it. But we need everyone involved. We need everyone. Sardis, angel, these things, says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works complete before God. The inspired word of God is living and ministry missions can and should be completed. This is the holy huddle. I used to play quarterback in high school. This has been the holy huddle. And then at the end of the holy huddle, I would say, break, which means come out of the huddle and run the play. I know you will. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for the future of our church, which is as bright as are the promises you've given us in your living word. We pray that we be discerning as individuals and as a corporate body on what good works you've given us to do that are not yet complete. And then God, give us the determination, the sacrifice, the effort, the focus to finish those tasks that we can finish to your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen.